This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Stephen Krasowski, Communications Manager and Contributing Editor of the RMA Journal. In today's environment, it is imperative to understand the complexity of risks facing financial institutions. Technology risk, often considered a subset of operational risk, historically has not had the level of attention necessary to truly understand the complexity, nor to be able to speak about these risks to non-subject matter experts in a meaningful manner so that these risks can be considered fairly when prioritizing. With this in mind, RMA is making available to its members a new technology risk framework to address the historical gaps in our understanding of technology-driven risks, while at the same time create flexibility based on the size and complexity of an institution and its needs. Today, I'm joined by Erica Crandall, Head of Risk at Reserve Trust, to discuss the importance of RMA's technology risk framework. Erica, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Erica, why do you feel there is a need to introduce the technology risk framework? Last year, as the Operational Risk Council came together and we really were going through what we felt were sort of the biggest areas and gaps uh, in the broader operational risk space, we kept coming back to technology and thinking about, do we really understand all the technology risks that present themselves to financial institutions from the various threat vectors? And so as we started talking about it, we realized that there was a lot of inconsistency as we talked both within our organizations and across organizations when it comes to technology risk. Some looked at it really as the risk presented in the IT organization and others looked at it a little more broadly, but would need to modify that framework every time their organization changed because it was really much more organizationally driven rather than risk driven. And so we felt that there was an opportunity here to help drive some consistency, as well as look at the existing frameworks that were out there, many of which, which are control-based, so very helpful, but didn't start from the risk perspective. And so we thought there was that opportunity to start with the risks and then move towards each organization looking at how they want to leverage the control frameworks and they're they're complementary to one another. So that really was the underlying driver that brought the team together to develop this technology risk framework. So why do you think it is important for banks to consider the framework? Many of the reasons I just mentioned, but I would also say that we wanted to create a framework that was very easy to use, that was using as plain English as possible, but yet also meaningful for those that are up to their eyeballs in technology, right? So that it would work across the spectrum of individuals who will come across technology risk. And we think it's really important to not tie risk structures and risk hierarchies to organizational structures. And this framework allows that flexibility. So no matter how you're organized, you'll see that these risk and the risk framework, um, as they're called out, really can be leveraged um, in any structure that an institution might have. So Erica, how do you feel different size banks would use this framework differently? We've already received some very interesting feedback on the draft framework. We had one um, participant who took our draft and mapped it against the framework that they had been using historically. And they came across with two things. One, which is one of the things I talked about earlier, which was that their organization, their technology risk 
was really about the risks presented in the IT organization, and two, that there were gaps in what they considered technology risk. And this gave them an opportunity to fill those gaps and to make sure that they have a holistic look across all the different disciplines. Then we also had some institutions who were, I'll say in the earlier, you know, sort of forming stages of their understanding of technology risk and thinking about it in a fresh light. And this gave them a place to start with to say, all right, we can take the, the organizational structure out of it and really be thinking about all the different places and ways in which these technology risks could manifest themselves. And so those were, were sort of really different sized organizations are at very different complexity. And then I myself am at Reserve Trust, which is a, a very, um, I'd say it's a young you know, trust organization. And we didn't have a defined technology risk framework and we didn't have the technology risk articulated well. In situations like that, you literally can leverage the framework right from how it's drafted and be able to leverage it in the different ways, whether it be through RCSAs or other components. In what areas can banks use this framework in their daily operations? This can be used from a daily operations perspective as well as from the board. So let me start actually at the board level. I know that wasn't the question you asked, but I think it's important to talk about it. That one of the things I've learned in my many years of working with boards and working at different institutions was that often you have board members who are very technology savvy and then a number who are not. And what this framework allows us to do is to bring them all to that common understanding of where our technology risks are manifesting themselves. And so that they can all be treated equally and we can, we can sort of remove the, I call it the, whatever that sparkling word is, right, of, of the current time, you know, a few years ago it was cyber, now we're talking business resiliency, right? So, but we have to be able to look at not just what the hot topic is today, but look at it across the framework. And this allows us to do that without that organizational component. And again, normalizing uh, knowledge as, as much as possible so we can really drive our, where our work needs to focus. It's also an opportunity to create uh, consistencies on RCSA, so risk and control self-assessments that, that institutions are performing. Again, these technology risks can manifest themselves in almost anywhere in the organization. And so really understanding what that is. If you're talking about a root cause analysis, again, common language. So as you're looking and driving towards a root cause analysis, um, you have that opportunity to get to that degree of specificity. And then you can start to say, all right, what are the controls that broke uh, based on the, the root cause analysis now that we understand what the risks are that presented themselves? Certainly institutions have already taken this draft framework back and enhanced how they think of scenario analysis. And in fact, even during the pandemic, uh, we had some individuals who come back uh, who were in the working uh, team and came back and said, they actually leverage this to think differently about how to, how to approach the pandemic and, and the risks that present themselves differently as we're now working much more in a remote fashion than we were before. And so although some of those risks might have existed before, the intensity of them has certainly increased as we've changed our work locations and changed some of the processes that we've had to have in order to um, continue to do business um, through the pandemic. And so I think there, there are lots of different ways that this framework can sort of help move an institution to what I'll call sort of a very systematic, understandable way in which to understand the risks and, and make sure that they're spending, if you have a million dollars to spend, let's make sure you're spending on a risk that is a million dollars or higher and not on a $100,000 risk. And I think this framework starts to allow you to do that. So what are the top risks right now this framework would address? I think the top one is 
is probably how much technology risk sits outside of the IT or the information security organizations. That seems to be where we've gotten the most attention and really being able to say, do I understand where it manifests itself? Do I understand, do the leadership of those organizations understand the amount of technology risks that they present? And really being able to then have that, that common language across the organization as we look at those risks and be able then to start to tally it up, right? Which is the value you have anytime you have a common risk framework in an organization is to be able to say, can we see across the organizational pillars and see how often that risk manifests itself? And what are they using a common control or different controls in order to bring that down to an acceptable level? So I think that's probably one of the top. And then, and then the other would be a repeat of what I'd said earlier, which is, you know, how do we make sure that uh, we understand what the risks are that, that are, you know, the cost of the control of that risk down to a, an acceptable level. And are we spending a million dollars on a $100,000 problem? Or are we spending $100,000 on a million dollar problem? And really, a lot of people focus on how much does the control cost without really understanding how much risk is presented. And so we'll find ourselves in these financial conversations about that. It's too expensive to implement that control without actually looking at, wait a second, the risk and the exposure that we have. And that when you look through all the threat vectors and all the ways in which it can manifest itself, the cost of that control is absolutely worth it to bring it down across the organization to an acceptable level. So I think those are, for me, two of the primary drivers. I suspect if you talk to some of the other members that participated in developing it, they probably would have different answers for you. Because again, each of us took this framework and the draft and sort of went and tried to use it and came back to, to have really rich conversations. And so I think that would be an, an interesting one to see how others are starting to leverage it. So Erica, to wrap up, where can members find this framework? Members can find the framework on the RMA's website, www rmahq.org. For those that want to do a little bit more or have a little bit more information, I will be speaking at GCOR on July 14th, where we'll be having a live Q&A session. And that will also be recorded. If you want more information, please go to the RMA website. Erica, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you at GCOR. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcasts. Whether you're a regular listener or a first-time listener, if you enjoy our podcasts, please provide a favorable rating on iTunes. Thank you.